understanding of worship and what living a life of worship really looks like. Father, we thank you for the gift on the inside of Peter and his willingness to share it with us. So may it take root into our hearts, into deep into the soil of our hearts to produce fruit and multiply. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Peter, I have so much I could say. Uh, just really speaks to the generations, like raising up young men and young women in worship, which is amazing. He's imparted into my own daughter, my own seed. I don't trust everyone with that seed because it's very, very valuable. So you should feel honored. <laughs> and, uh, and so just grateful for what you um, are pouring out and putting in to the kingdom of God. And so tonight we get to receive from that. So this is really an honor and a privilege. And we've... Uh, Worked hard to get you here. Your schedule, your schedule's tight. So anyway, we're super, super tough. It's okay. We kept trying. We don't give up easy. We don't give up easy. So. Yeah, yeah. Right over here, Jen, is some seats. If that's okay, Bev. Is that too? Would you rather sit over there closer? Okay, let's do that. Wonderful. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, well, my name's Peter. Like uh, Becky said, um, I've been uh, uh, leading worship for about as long as Luke has. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, I teach worship. Um, I've been doing that for about a decade, um, teaching high schoolers. Um, how to worship the Lord with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Um, got a couple of uh, bullet points tonight. Um, I'm probably going to say the words, write this down, so you might maybe keep your cell phone out and, um, or uh, a piece of paper or something like that. So Becky went to get paper. Oh, perfect. Wonderful. Um, handouts would have been great. I should have I like printed it up, and then you wouldn't have to write anything down. Uh, you just printed the whole thing out and just read it on your own time. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, if you end up, like, having questions or whatever, like, you can write them down and we'll do question time afterwards, sir. Um, yeah, I won't be offended if you don't have any questions. It's totally fine. <laughs> um, wonderful. Uh, number one, first point of the day. Super excited. Um, we were created for worship. Like, that's what we were created for. Um, uh, John Piper says, missions exists because worship doesn't. Worship is more important <laughs> than missions work or <laughs> because it's the end goal. <laughs> um, the only reason we send out missionaries is because um, there is not enough worship in the world. Um, uh, worship is the end goal. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, uh, and our end goal <laughs> is that every being worships the Lord. Um, and it's our, our job um, as Christians um, whether you're a worship leader or whether you never, ever want to lead worship in any way, um, uh, your job is to increase worship throughout the world with the help of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think at the beginning of this, we should probably 
define worship really well. Um, uh, a lot of folks think worship and praise are basically synonymous, um, and that is, I think, very far from the truth. Um, I, some folks think, oh yeah, praise is the fast songs and worship is the slow songs. Um, I've, I've heard that <laughs> uh, before, like, oh yeah, we're going to go into a time of praise and then we're going to go into a time of worship. I'm like, that is, that is not it. That is not the truth. Um, <laughs> just take like 10 seconds real quick and I want us to like think through, like if we had to define worship, what would it be? You don't have to say anything. I'm just, let's just think worship and get an idea of what we think of as worship. All right, we're going to submit that to the Lord. Um, Romans 12.1, this is the most important scripture I think that we're going to be looking at today. Um, we're going to bring it up a couple of times. This is the Bible's definition of what worship is. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing to him. This is your true and proper worship. That's it. I don't see anything in that verse about singing. Which is probably comforting to folks who are like, I don't, I'm not very good at singing. You know, like that's, that's it. Like when you offer your bodies to God as a living sacrifice in a way that's holy, in a way that's pleasing to him, that's worship, period. Singing is a tiny portion of our worship. Can you offer your singing voice as a portion of your body, as a living sacrifice to the Lord? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? But I, I really want to break apart that iron, like, um, uh, association we have of worship is 30 minutes on a Sunday. You know what? I've been to this church. An hour <laughs> on Sunday mornings. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, I was on the drums a few months ago, and uh, um, you guys started uh, your worship service before my church started um, uh, our service, and your worship went, it was like, a, I don't think there was a message that day or something, it was just like all worship, but your worship ended after my church, the whole thing had ended, <laughs> the service, I could tell with the live stream on my phone. Um, they're still going. <laughs> um, yeah, it's wonderful. Um, but I, I want to break that apart. I, um, uh, when we say, Lord, I need to worship you more, I want us to um, not immediately say, I want to put music on and sing to you, right? Um, sometimes it can look like that. But the majority of our worship ought not to have an association with music. Like, we... The majority of our living sacrifice offering to the Lord um, needs to be deeper than those, those experiences at a church service or the times in the car when we've got, you know, Spotify on or something like that. It's got to be more. 
Um, because if it's not, then we're not really offering our whole bodies as a living sacrifice. We're just offering a portion of our week, right? We're just offering, some, you know, this is God time and this is me time, right? Oh, God, I need to worship you, right? And so I'm going to spend X amount of time worshiping you and then I'm going to stop worshiping you, right? That's, that's not what the Lord wants. The Lord wants unceasing worship. He wants you to put your life on the altar and then not get up again. Stay on the altar. So it's deceptive when we call the first portion of our service worship. And, and I understand we got to call it something. And you know what I mean? It's, I, I get it. So I'm not, I, I don't get mad at folks if they're like, oh, we're going to go worship. Like, I understand <laughs> why, but it can just cause confusion. So I just want to be aware of the confusion that it that costs. We worship by showing up to church in obedience on Sunday morning. Like, that is an act of worship. Um, we worship by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another, one another giving thanks to, to God in our hearts, right? We worship by hearing and doing the word that is preached from the pulpit. That is worship. Like, your hearing of the word of God is worship, and your doing of the word of God is worship. You worship by bearing with one another, even when it's hard, not giving up, right? It's that Colossians, bear with one another in our, you know, and we can do that on a Sunday morning or elsewhere. Um, and we worship by, you know, making sure everybody's needs are met as a church body. Like, I, do you have enough food? Can I pray for you? Do you have a healing need, right? Like, that's just as much worship. So, my hope today is that our idea of worship expands. Um, but let's start, let's start at the beginning here. Write this down. Worship begins with beholding. Worship begins with beholding. 1 Corinthians 3. When, everyone, when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. This is just a, an amazing um, picture of worship. Um, we repent that's what that, when anyone turns to the Lord, when you repent, right, when you get the salvation bought by the blood of Christ, there is a spiritual veil that is taken away. And the biggest benefit of that veil is not just that we can see things more clearly in the natural or we can see things here on earth. The biggest benefit is that we can see the Lord clearly. All right, and this is really cool for people who want to worship. Uh, because your, uh, your worship will be, the purity of your worship will be defined by how well you see the Lord, right? Jesus says to worship the Father in spirit and in truth, right? That, that phrase is so grounded in reality, right? If we worship the Lord in truth and connected with his spirit, right, with his revelation, that worship is pure. 
because we're seeing him for who he really is and we're reflecting that back to him in praise and adoration, right? But if we just like imagine God as some, you know, in our heads, we try to like just picture like the best thing that we could possibly think of, right? God's not the best thing we could possibly think of, right? God's better than that, bigger than that, right? But if, if our idea of God originates in our imagination, right? Our worship is going to be worshiping something that we've created. And that's actually, Scripture calls that idolatry, right? Your worship will be at its most pure when it's grounded in a true, spirit-filled revelation of who God really is. And that's an unveiled face beholding the beauty of the Lord. And that's the picture we see in heaven. If you read um, uh, Revelation, particularly like Revelation 4, we see a hundred million angels, four living creatures, all of the elders, everyone in heaven has their eyes locked on the precious Lamb of God. They have their eyes locked on the one who sits, he's called the one who sits on the throne, right? Like, and it's visual, and, and they're saying, holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, right? And, and that response isn't like, oh, I was told that he's holy. And I know he's holy and so I'm gonna say it, right? It's like, I experienced the fact that he's holy. I can see that he's worthy. Isn't it obvious, right? And it's that revelation. So if we wanna wor- have a life of worship, if we want worship to be our very being, and if we want to give worship that's holy and pleasing to God, the first thing we got to do is see the Lord for who he really is, right? How do we see the Lord for who he really is? We look for the ways that he's revealed himself, right? Number one, Jesus is the perfect image of the Father, right? So if we're looking at Jesus, we're looking at the Father, we see the, we see the full Godhead in Jesus, right? So get into the Gospels, right? And actually, all of the Bible points to Jesus, the entire Old Testament, right? All four of the Gospels and all of the books after the Gospels are just explaining the ripple effect of God coming to earth, right? Get in your Bible. Say, God, I just want to see you. God, I just want to see you. And what's cool is God promises. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me if you seek me with your whole heart, right? There's a promise that if we seek God, we will see God, right? And that's where worship starts. And guess what? This is super cool. This is super cool. I have had the experience, and I'm sure none of you guys have had the experience of this. Coming in on Sunday morning, I don't feel like worshiping, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't feel like it. I'm in a bad mood or like I'll, I'll go up on stage and, and like rehearsal's going terrible or the monitors just don't sound good right? or I've uh, lost my voice last night at a youth thing and I'm like, this is just going to be terrible or whatever, right? I don't feel like it, right? Um, <laughs> worshiping the Lord out of, out of an experience of beholding him and out of a revelation is a thousand times easier than trying to contrive something or trying to put a mask of worship on, right? It's trying to like praise God for something that you remember from forever ago or like whatever. Like worship out of a place of revelation, and that's so easy. That's, it's, it's wonderful. And it's honest and it's pure. It's full of integrity. Um, yeah, worship out of a place of revelation. Um. 
All right. Um, I heard a, a phrase recently. Um, uh, someone spoke about secondhand glory. Um, there's a story in the Old Testament of um, the Israelites. They're wandering through the desert, and they don't really know much about the Lord, right? They're following Moses, um, and Moses bring, leads the people up to Mount Sinai. The mountain is shaking. There's smoke and lightning, and it's super scary. And the Israelites are like, we're not getting within, you know, forever about of that mountain. Like, Moses, you go up and talk to the Lord, right? We're, we're not all going to go up on the mountain because we will die, right? But we're totally fine with you going up, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and they send Moses up on the mountain, and the Israelites miss out on an amazing experience with the Lord. And so amazing that, like, the, the, Moses gets a glimpse of the glory of the Lord, just this tiny little peak. He comes down from the mountain, and his face is lit up like, like an LED light, right? At, like, just so bright. And they can't even look at Moses because it's so bright, and they have to cover his face, right? This is... This is wild. They have to cover his face because it's so bright. Like, they missed out on seeing something amazing, right? Because of fear, right? Or intimidation or, like, worry about this, this holy God or this scary God or whatever. Um, when we worship, right? When we, in our relationship with God, I, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on that glory, right? I want and so I don't want to send somebody else out in front of me and say, you have the experience with God and tell me about it, right? Or like, I'll, <laughs> uh, sometimes people go like, how was, the, how was the worship today? Like, what was it like? You know, it, you just had this awesome conference or you just had this awesome worship night or whatever. How was it today? And I'm like, boy, it was amazing. Like, there were people that were dancing in the aisles, and people were slain in the spirit, and people were speaking in tongues, and, like, this was, it was awesome. There was somebody crying, somebody, you know, like, it was, it was awesome, right? It, how I define a good worship set, sometimes it's like the reactions other people had, right? And I think, like, how was the worship? Well, there was this one guy that had this glowing face, right? I couldn't look at him because it was so bright, right? And that worship night was great. Like, what did the Lord do in me? Nothing, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, nothing. I missed out. My face isn't glow. I want my face to glow, you know? <laughs> like, I want to see the Lord for me, right? It's not enough to be in the room, it's, we sing these songs like, when you walk into the room, right? And there's power when Jesus is in the room, their presence. And bless the Lord that he can, that he, that he works through secondhand glory, right? That people can be healed from somebody else's handkerchief, right? Or that people can, you know, something else can happen. And you, you know, you touch this person, touch this person, and, and, you know, you got to experience a piece of the glory of the Lord, right? But that's, that's not all that there is. If you want to live a life of worship rather than just little tiny pieces of worship, right? You got to dive in all the way. Don't be, don't be satisfied with, you know, ankle deep, like presence of the Lord. Don't be satisfied with secondhand glory. 
Um, okay. Um, one more thing on that. There's a, uh, there's a story of um, it, this woman who comes to Jesus with this fragrant perfume, right? And, and she breaks it and, and anoints Jesus' hair and feet. Um, she, she washes her, uh, his feet with her hair, right? And what we're told about the disciples looking on is that they were critical, right, um, of this expensive um, worship that was being poured out. And I, I, and I, uh, the, I always talk about this, and I've heard it talked about in, um, uh, in a, like, don't be critical about someone else's worship experience. Don't be critical about their expression. And, and like, yes, that is what that story is about. But I, I also want to think about um, that fragrance was like, like it, it was a whole bottle of perfume that would, you know, think of somebody, like if somebody took Axe body spray and just held it down until it all, you know, <laughs> drained out, right? Like imagine the, the scent of that, right? <laughs> um, and, and I feel like in, in worship, we can be satisfied with like, I smelled the fragrance of somebody else's worship, right? And it was great. You know, I didn't criticize it you know, and I, I blessed it. And like, that was good enough that I didn't criticize someone else's, right? Where is your bottle of perfume, right? Did you break the bottle or did you just smell somebody else's bottle of perfume, you know? Like, let's all go out and buy that bottle of perfume with everything that we have and offer it to the Lord. Whatever crown that we've received, right? Let's lay that crown at the feet of Jesus, like everything that we have. So, all right. John 4, you can turn in your Bibles to John 4, we'll read half a chapter here. John 4, 16, um, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, um, all of his disciples have gone off for food, they're like, I'm super hungry, um, and he, Jesus is um, having this discussion uh, with a Samaritan woman he shouldn't be talking to as far as the, the culture goes. We, don't, we shun those people because their theology is wrong. Um, and John, uh, John 4, 16, he says, he told her, go call your husband and come back. John, uh, verse 17, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman says, I can see that you're a prophet. Really? You know, kind of a Captain Obvious moment of like, like, yes, he just told you something he should not have known about your life. All right, now, if you had an opportunity to ask the Lord a question and you knew that you would get a clear answer out of that question, like, think about what you would ask. Like, Here's someone who has divine knowledge, right? Like this is an opportunity for her to get her questions answered. And this is what she chooses. I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship in is Jerusalem. So she wants to know who's right. 
how are we supposed to worship? Are we supposed to be in Jerusalem? Are we supposed to be here, right? Is using drums on stage in worship okay? Right? Should we be singing out of the hymnal, or should we, you know, be, you know, singing in tongues? You know, should we like what? What is the how in worship? How do I worship correctly? How do I worship correctly? And could you write it down so I can rub it in the Jews' faces when I'm right? Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. We have to be very careful that our um, our worship does not become a physical formula where we do this thing and it produces this spiritual result, right? Or like God likes this worship better than this worship because it looks this way or, or whatever. Like that's not, like Jesus is saying, the Father is seeking people who will worship in spirit and in truth, right? People who, are, who actually have a revelation of who God is, right? Like truth. Jesus says, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? God the Father is looking for worshipers who've met Jesus, like who've had an encounter with the Lord and are worshiping out of, out of a response, right? After they had the response and now they're, coming back with gratitude. Or Bible says the kindness of God leads men to repentance. So they've experienced the kindness of God and now they're repenting, right? The repentance wasn't the first thing. It was beholding the Lord. It was the second thing that happened. So worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. And this is something that I've dealt with, dealt with quite a lot of um, wanting to get the right how, right? If I, can, if I can just turn the right song on at the right time, the Lord will do something in my heart, right? If I'm just in the right place at the right time, right? If I'm in the right church building, right? If I'm in the, in the right, you know, if I'm in my prayer closet, if I'm in my, you know, but if I'm not in those places, then my worship is less than. I can't worship the Lord in these environments, right? Don't get stuck in the never-ending how of you know, how are you going to worship? Because those questions are endless, right? The, the question we need to be asking is, like, like, who am I worshiping? Am I worshiping an idol? Am I worshiping myself? Am I worshiping a friend? Am I, you know, or am I worshiping the one true God as revealed in Jesus, as revealed by the Holy Spirit, right? Um, And that's worshiping without hypocrisy, you know? Oh, that's good. All right, we'll get to that. Um, God's looking at our heart. God's looking at our heart. The Lord told the prophet Samuel when he's like, who's going to be the next king? And he's looking at all these brothers that are super strong, right? And lined them up, oldest to youngest. 
um, David, King David didn't even make the, uh, make the list, you know, because he's just a tiny little scrawny teenager that's, you know, uh, watching over the sheep while all the important brothers um, line up for the prophet. And Samuel's asking, oh, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? And, and the Lord speaks and says, uh, man looks at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart, right? And so God is not judging based on anything that you can see with your natural eyes. God is judging based on hearts, which actually means things can look really bad, right? But like, if God is pleased with the heart, God is pleased, right? The reverse is true. Things can look real, real good, real polished, you know, real emotional. (laughs) They can look real, you know, showy or real whatever. It can look like whatever, right? But if the Lord's not pleased with the heart, right? Um, He says this through the prophet Amos. And I think anyone who wants to worship the Lord, like, needs to be aware that this is the possibility of how God perceives their worship. Amos 5, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. The Lord says, away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll like a river and righteousness like a never-ending stream. This is like the Lord adjusting Israel's priorities, saying, you got the songs, you got the assemblies, right? You're doing these things that I have told you to do in my law and in, through the prophets, right? But you're missing the point. Your heart's not on righteousness. Your heart's not on justice. There's no right thing about you, right? And how do I know that? Well, because I'm looking at your heart, and I can see the things that nobody else sees, you know, all of Israel's looking at you going, everything's totally fine. All the nations are looking at you going like, boy, they really love the Lord. They're God's people, right? But the Lord's looking at them and they're saying, and the Lord's saying, your heart's not right. Um, there was a, um, uh, a very popular Christian um, songwriter, uh, worship songwriter, who um, uh, uh, who wrote like hundreds of worship songs, many of which um, started to be sung all around the world. Um, and he, he went to kind of a smaller church like before he started writing songs. And then as people started singing his songs, people started attending the church um, that he uh, that he went to because you know this is so and so's church. You know, and he's the worship leader there. He's up on stage. And, like, how cool is it that, like, we get to go to church with the guy who wrote these songs and actually hear what we heard on the radio, like, at every Sunday. Whoa. Right? And slowly, the collective heart of the church shifted from beholding the Lord to beholding this songwriter, right? 
Um, and and in interviews, the songwriter talks about how like it affected his heart, right? And um, uh, it's very very difficult. But he met with the pastor of the church, and they, as a group, decided, hey, we are going to we're going to stop music altogether. We're going to learn how to worship the Lord with um, without music at all, because music has become an idol, right? This music ministry has become an idol. These songs have become idols. <laughs> so we're not even, we're not just taking the, mu- the, the instruments away. We're not going to sing in church. Um, you guys can sing at home if you want, but like when we get together at church, we're going to worship the Lord without this music stuff. Um, and believe it or not, a lot of people left the church. <laughs> And, and it dwindled and it got small um, as they learned in this awkward way. It's not like they had a big plan for, like, what their services would look like and how they, like, they stumbled through it and they, you know, um, figured out what it was like. What would, what would it be like to have church services with no music at all um, after having their whole church basically built on music? Um, and the church dwindled um, to... Uh, at the lowest point, it got down to just 100 people in this. It was a huge megachurch by the time they, they said, hey. Um, and revival broke out. <laughs> people had um, uh, their lives absolutely changed um, because of the purity of their their worship, of their relationship with the Lord. Um, and it totally, it it was... Um, it was a, a, an amazing, miraculous thing for the people who stuck with it and stayed, stayed there. Um, and it, it was really cool to. It's it's cool to hear about a story where like it didn't didn't end up com- staying in idolatry, or it didn't end up completely trashing the church and and uh, causing a whole bunch of people to um, stop believing in Jesus altogether. Um, after one year of no music in church. The songwriter wrote a song um, out of their experience, um, and they just real simply got up with the acoustic guitar and they played it. Um, and it was—it's just—I mean, I—I I can imagine just how beautiful an experience that that must have been to um, to go to the Lord with something that had been corrupted but is now pure. Um, so, what I would like to do um, is. We don't have to stand up or anything like that. Um, I would like to uh, sing this song together um, as a uh, as a way of stepping away from idols, stepping away from um, uh, the things that we that you know that, that we can harp on that aren't the spirit of the Lord and that aren't beholding who He really is. Um, and if you if you don't know the words, totally fine. You can just listen. We'll sing the chorus at least twice, so the second time through you can um, you can hear it. But I don't have the words on the screen. Um, we'll just uh, yeah, we'll do this real quick.
all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus and I'm sorry Lord for the thing I've made it when it's all about you it's all about you Jesus King of endless worth No one could express How much you Help us to have a right heart. Help us to have a right heart, Lord. Do what only you can do inside of us, Lord. 
obey. We want to be in submission to you. We want to love you. Help us, Lord. Give us a revelation of who you are. God, something so glorious and so amazing, Lord, that it pushes away all, all of our other loves, all of the other distractions, everything else, Lord, that would, that would replace or usurp your place. God, we ask that you would be king on the throne of our heart. You reign in the universe, Lord. God, but right now we say we want you to be king on the throne of our heart. That's the one thing we have to give you, Lord. That's the one thing we have. That's what we want to give you. Help us, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness when we mess this up, when our eyes are, are drawn away and got seduced by whatever. Thank you for your grace. We love you. You're good. You're good to the core. You're good in every way. We love you. Amen. 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 All right. Um, let's talk about let's talk about sacrifice. Once our heart's right, we're ready to give stuff to him. Once our heart's right, we're ready to to offer up what we have. Um, in Second Samuel. Chapter 24, it's the last thing that Samuel writes in his books. Um, he writes this story of uh, there's this plague that was sent by the Lord because of Israel's rebellion and because their hearts were not, um, were not on, on him. <laughs> um, and and he, David, King David asked the prophet, what in the world do we need to do to lift this plague? Like, tell us, tell us what the Lord wants. And um, the prophet tells David, hey, the Lord's gracious. The Lord's forgiving. Um, go offer sacrifice to the Lord and pray, and, and he will lift this plague. Um, and so uh, he goes to the specific house that the Lord told him to go to, the house of Aruna. Um, and Aruna says this to King David, why has my Lord come, uh, come to his servant? And David answered, to buy your threshing floor so that I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. So Aruna said to David, let, let my Lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up. The guy's like, I'm, I'm, the, I'm God's servant. I'm the king's servant. Like, take whatever, right? His, his heart's in the right spot. It's like, take, you know, because I, I want to be a part of this solution. I see the plague. I see what the Lord says. Let's do this, King David. Like, you can, have the, you can have it. You can have an oxen. You can have absolutely everything. Um, here are oxen for the burnt offering. Here are the threth, threshing sledges and the ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty, Aruna, gives all this to the king. Aruna also said to him, may the Lord your God accept you. But the king replied to Aruna, no. I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered his prayer in behalf of on behalf of the land, and the plague on Israel was stopped. 
your worship is worth nothing if it's not a sacrifice. Your worship is worth nothing if it's, if it's easy, if it's something somebody else hands you, right, and you just, as a, as a messenger, give it to the Lord. If it's somebody else's sacrifice, it's not your worship. Sacrifice is key. I'm going to read that um, verse in Romans again. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that's beholding the Lord, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing to him. This is your true and proper worship. So how do we sacrifice? Well, number one, we can do things that we don't want to do, right? (laughs) We can do things that our fleshly nature, our sinful nature just doesn't want to do, right? It means when we come together as a group to worship the Lord corporately together, it means it's not about our preferences, right? It means that we're going to push away that voice in our heart that says, I hate this song, or I hate this style, or I hate how long this is going, right? Believe it or not, if you just, if you're having a blast and you're worshiping and everything is according to your preferences, right? But then it's just a little bit too much. And you're like, boy, I'm, I'm tired. My feet hurt. I'm, my mind's drifting. I want to do something else. Right there is the moment that you have to give the best worship that you could possibly give, right? It's at that moment, <laughs> right? When our, our flesh is just rebelling against the Lord and we can say, Lord, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you f- these five minutes. And those five minutes, boy, the Lord can meet you in the last five minutes of worship. It's amazing. It is amazing. Oh. Some folks will try to, f- try to worship the Lord by looking deeper at themselves. They'll say, oh, I'm, I'm an introvert, right? And so I'm going to worship the Lord in this way. Or I'm an extrovert, very outgoing. So I'm going to just like... Smack people in the face while I'm twirling to the Lord, right? Um, <laughs> we, and <laughs> we look inside of ourselves at what we're best at, right? And that's the worship I'm going to give to the Lord, right? The Lord's not looking for what you're best at. The Lord is looking for everything, right? Everything. He wants your best. He wants your best. He also wants the things you're terrible at, the things that you don't want to do. That's sacrifice. So if, (laughs) we'll use those two examples. There's a bunch more, but if you are introverted, if you are quiet, if you are reserved, give that to the Lord, 100%, right? But you have an amazing opportunity to worship the Lord in a loud, explosive way, right? There are seven Hebrew words for praise in Scripture, um, and uh, the, the word that we get the word hallelujah from um, is halal, halal ja, for Jehovah. Um, uh, it, halal is um, shine or boast or shout to the Lord. It's a big word, right? Which is why singing like hallelujah doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like it's, it's supposed to be big, Right? It's praise the Lord in a loud, boastful, shining, exuberant way. That's, that's hallelujah. <laughs> um, and so if, if you're reserved, like that is a sacrificial gift of worship that you can give. 
right? If you're explosive and big, maybe calm down for just a portion of the service, right? And be still and know that he is God, right? That's Psalms 46. Like, let the Lord fight all the spiritual battles for a second, right? And you just calm yourself and make sure that your arm flailing hasn't become an idol or a method or a formula that you've made, right? Right? Take out stuff that you've used as a crutch, right? And worship the Lord in a way that's uncomfortable just because it's a sacrifice, right? That's what fasting is, right? I'm not going to do the thing that I really want to do. You know, I, after service, I really, you know, I'm so hungry on Sunday, you know, on, on Sundays after service, right? It's starving, right? But you can give that abstinence to the Lord. You can give that, that lack of eating, even just if it's like a meal, right? And that can be awesome worship. And, and that's, you know, Jesus said at one time, like, this kind of demon is, only comes out with prayer and fasting. Like, what? That's weird. Like, not eating, and then I ask God to heal this person will, like, cause that, you know, demon to come out of them? Yeah. Like, because sacrifice is powerful. That, if you do it on behalf of the Lord, not in a pious way, right? Jesus talks about don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing and that whole thing. Sacrifice for the Lord. All right. Um, the last thing I've got here um, for the rest of my hour. I didn't know if it was an hour. It's just it's a round number. Um, I want to give you guys some ways to worship. And some of these you'll go, yeah, this is, this is um, definitely a way that I'm comfortable worshiping. And if so, keep doing that thing. Um, hopefully some of these will be like, I've never tried that. Or um, I'm really uncomfortable with that. Um, write those down. So pick three or five of these things and write them down. And like for the next week, for the next month, like focus on those. So, um, and I, I've got these on the screen here. Um, since, since we know it so well, we'll start with singing. Um, singing is a command in scripture. Um, for some reason, the Lord of the universe, the God who created the galaxies, wants to hear the sound that comes out of your voice, right? And it's not just the good sound, right? It's not just people who are good at singing, who've taken voice lessons, at, <laughs> right? <laughs> you don't have to, you know, go to worship arts in Kalamazoo and learn how to sing first before the Lord accepts it. Um, you, uh, the Lord wants your voice, you know, today, Sing on the sing before you go to bed. Um, singing is a command. Um, Psalms thirty three three says, "Sing a new song to the Lord." You can't even get comfortable with the old songs that you're you know that you're used to singing. Sing a new song to the Lord. We can sing the old songs too. This is not in like old songs are bad thing. Um, all right, number two, reflection. So like meditation and memorization of the word of God, right? Just like behold him. Just like think about the Lord. Like, God, I just want to reflect on you. Um, Psalms 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible. And the whole thing is him saying the same thing over and over and over again for more than 100 verses, He's basically saying, how I love to think about the things you say, God. Like, this is your word. These are your statutes. These are your precepts. Like, and I love them. 
Your word's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, right? That's where we get that, that verse, Psalm 119. Um, just dwell on the word of the Lord. Um, surrender. If there's things that you haven't yet put on the altar, like surrender. Um, that's worship. Offer it to him. Things that you, <laughs> I'm, I'm a control freak in certain aspects of my life. I like them certain ways. And like, I don't like things not to go well. And so like, I'll hold tightly to certain things, right? But that letting go doesn't seem like much to some of you guys, but it's pure worship for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's real hard. Um, <laughs> um, adoration, adoration. Um, there's a book called Help, Thanks, Wow that says basically all of our interactions with God, all of our prayers always boil down to one of these three things. We're either praying help, thanks, or wow. Um, right? <laughs> like a third of our communication with God ought to be like adoration, just wonder um, at who he is, right? Um, so just give him your wow. Stop ignoring how great he is. <laughs> Appreciate him. Um, repentance. So turn to him. Um, and if, if repentance is hard, if, and it's hard for me because I'm a prideful person, um, like I hate saying that I'm wrong. I hate saying that something that I did was not right. Um, dwell on the Lord's kindness. Read through, see a picture of Jesus of just how amazingly kind and forgiving he is because the kindness of God leads men to repentance. And you can... <laughs> with the Holy Spirit, you can walk that journey of, from kindness to repentance. Um, also, this one's neat because the verse that we read, 1 Corinthians 3, says that when we repent, then the veil is taken away. So we can see God clearly when we repent and turn to him. I'm so excited about that. Recentering. Our life gets busy, like mine does especially, um, Becky knows <laughs> it's very difficult to uh, schedule this, um, but we need to be re-centered on the Lord, right? The center of our universe needs to be God. So sometimes just saying, you know what, God, I'm not defined by how well I did at work. I'm not defined by what my spouse thinks of me or how good a parent I am. I'm not defined by any of those things. I'm going to recenter my life around you. I'm not even, like, the center of my life, right? I, I want to be defined by you and hidden in you. So I'm going to focus on you and say, God, how can I fit into your story rather than trying to fit you into my story? Recentering. All right, warfare. Y'all like warfare here. I've been here. Um, worship can involve putting on that armor of God, right, and, and go into battle, like seriously. And, and I believe when there's a Sunday morning worship service, a gathering of the saints, there are as many spiritual battles going on as there are hearts in the room, you know? And we can go, like without even like being around somebody, we can look at somebody on the other side of the room and say, I'm going to war for you right now, right? Um, Bible says we have weapons that have divine power to pull down strongholds. 
and thoughts that, you know, bring every thought captive uh, to the knowledge of God. Um, any pretension uh, that rises up against God, we can, in prayer, through those, the armor of God, Ephesians 6, read it. Warfare is great. Um, intercession. Praying for the kingdom of heaven to invade earth. Praying for God's will to be done. Right? Praying on behalf of someone else. Praying on behalf of the city. Praying on behalf of the church. Right? Um, intercession is a is fantastic way to worship. It can be in your heart or it can be out your mouth. Um, rejoicing. Um, celebration is the default state of heaven. Like, they're always looking for something to celebrate in heaven. It's cool. Like, all the angels in heaven have a party anytime one person gets saved. And there's, like, billions of people on the planet, and many of them are getting, they're getting saved like this. Like, there's parties all the time. And guess what? After this whole world is done, like, there's going to be a party in heaven. <laughs> there's going to be a wedding, you know, and we're going to celebrate with a big feast. <laughs> It's cool, right? So rejoicing is a way that you can worship the Lord. You know how many festivals there are in the Old Testament? Like the Lord's like commanding, celebrate this and celebrate that. and Like that's worship. Blow out the candles for the Lord. Um, Sabbath or like rest. Like rest from your work. Don't be defined by the things that you do. Right? Don't make your productivity the altar that you kneel at. Right? Um, when I'm scrolling through Instagram, my, my Instagram feed, they know me so well. I'm, I'm surrounded by just like ways to be more productive. Right? Like uh, uh, business you know, tips and things like that. Right? Um, and, and there's a lot of people who are ensnared by the idea that like the things that they create and the value they create for the world or the, the money that they accumulate or the businesses they build, like that's their identity. That's the thing that they should be giving their whole life to, sacrificing themselves to that altar. And a Sabbath um, and a habit of rest is a, is a spiritual practice that we, can, that we can do in worship to the Lord that breaks that chain and, and says, you know what, Lord? I got a to-do list a mile long. I'm, I'm going to sit on the couch for you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, that's cool, like, sitting on the couch, like, we, we get on that for, like, I'm, I'm being a couch potato, you can do it unto the Lord, you can, you can, it's cool, <laughs> sorry, honey, I'm, <laughs> I'm worshiping right now, <laughs> um, communion or communication with the Lord, right? Scripture says pray without ceasing, right? So keep an open channel with the Lord, right? Like times for prayer are great, but like constant communion and relationship with the Lord is what we're built for, right? We walk in the Spirit. We live in the Spirit. It's, it's a breathing in and breathing out thing that we're just doing all the time. We're inviting the Lord into every single circumstance because he's already in there, right? Um, Spending time with the Lord, right? Jesus valued time with the Lord, right? 40 days in the wilderness. Um, we think like Jesus had three years on the planet. Um, and, and like you'd think, all right, how are we going to change the whole world in 
uh, three, three years of ministry is what I mean. <laughs> he had 33 years on the planet, but like three years from the time of his, um, uh, the start of his ministry uh, to the time of his ascension. Um, and in those three years, he left people quite a lot. Like he sailed out to be in the wilderness or he spent 40 days in the wilderness, you know, just fasting or he, you know, went away to quiet places or to lonely places, right? So just to, to be with the Lord, to be with the Father. So we need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and that's worship, to get away from other people and, and be with the Lord. Um, the, the things you spend your time on show your, show your priorities, right? That's just the truth. Um, giving. Be generous for the sake of the Lord, right? And just like taking regular breaks and resting will break the chains of that workaholicism, um, tithing to your church will break the chains of, of greed and, and this grip that we have on our money, right? So give to your church, give to people, meet needs. If you, the story of the, um, uh, the, the man that got beat up and left on the side of the road and these church people walked by and didn't help him. Like the point of that story is if you see a need, you're supposed to meet it regardless of what your calendar says you're supposed to do, right? Like the neighbor is the person who has a need right in front of you. So that's, that's who you're supposed to love. That's who you're supposed to give to. Um, Thanksgiving, be thankful in everything. Be thankful in everything. I don't believe we're supposed to be thankful for everything necessarily, um, but I believe we're supposed to be thankful in everything. So in every circumstance, we can be giving thanks to the Lord. There's something to be thankful for. Remembrance. In the Old Testament, we have all these records of, of uh, what the Lord did. We have 10,000 things that the Lord did. And they'd, every time the Lord did a miracle, they'd sit down and they'd write it down. Or like um, Miriam would write a song about it. King David would write a song about it. You know, like... We write stuff down so that we remember it, right? So that we, like, God is worthy of more than just one thanks for the miracle that he did, <laughs> you know? Like, he's, like, just think about that. The God of the universe did something unique for you. Like, that, that one thing, whatever how small you might think it is, like, that one thing is deserving of a whole lot more thanks and gratitude than what we give, right? Write it down. How big a shame is it that we forget that stuff? Like, oh my word. <laughs> we pray for something and the Lord comes through and we forget about it. It's, it's appalling. When I do it, it's appalling. Um, listening. He speaks in that still, small voice, right? And taking time to listen to the Lord um, is that posture is worship. So, and sometimes, like, with our default of, like, I'm going to sing every time I worship, like, our mouth just needs to stop moving. We need to listen to the Lord. Lamenting. You know, complaining can be worship. <laughs> it's crazy. The book of Lamentations is the weirdest book in Scripture. Second weirdest book in Scripture. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't yet had an opportunity to preach out of the Song of Solomon, and I'm not looking forward to that at all because that's super weird. But Lamentations is literally like chapters upon chapters of this guy complaining about how terrible his life is, right? And how the Lord's forgotten about him. How the Lord doesn't care about him anymore, right? And how, how much the Lord is crushing him intentionally, right? 
And, and the Holy Spirit put that in our canon of scripture. You know, like that is the Bible, is somebody else's complaints, right? So I take that to mean it's okay for me to open up my heart and let out some prayers that aren't perfectly polished, right? That, that are audacious, and, you know, if I, if I complained in that way to, like, an earthly king, like, that would be completely inappropriate. So I assume if I complain in that way to the Lord, that's completely inappropriate, right? And yet, the Lord invites us to have real conversations with him, right? That aren't just, oh, God, you're holy, and I'm going to trust you, and then you go live your life, that you have all these secret complaints in your heart, you know, that you haven't given to the Lord. So give those things to the Lord. Don't complain to your spouse. Give it to the Lord. Don't complain to your friend. Don't complain to, you know, give it to the Lord. Confession. Be honest about when you've messed up, right? As a humble act of worship. Pride says, I had a good reason to do what I did, right? I, that, I was justified, right? Humility says, you know what? I can guarantee that my reaction was, fell short of your glory, can we at least say that? We at least say God would have done things better, right? <laughs> we have something to repent for. We have something to confess. God, I didn't handle that as good as you did, as you would have, and I'm sorry. You know, I've not been conformed into your image enough yet, and I really messed that up. I'm not even sure what I did wrong. I'm not sure how I messed that up, but God, I'm going to confess to you that I'm imperfect, right? And I'm going to give this to you right now. Help me, Lord. Baptism. That's worship, right? If you haven't been baptized, get baptized. That's what the Lord says. Do it out of obedience. All right, and then the last one's like physical expressions. So that's raising your hands. That's in scripture. Lift your hands um, or bow, lay, prostrate. Not prostate, that's different. Um, like lay down flat before the Lord. You know, your, um, it's a way that we, like, oftentimes we'll think, like, okay, I'm going to love you, Lord, with all my heart. That's the easy one we understand, right? I'm going to love you, Lord, with all my mind. And it's weird. I'm going to love the Lord with all my mind. Love the Lord with, with all my soul. I don't even really understand what my soul is, right? I love the Lord with all my strength. Okay, that's actionable. I can, I, can, I can do that. As I work on all four of those, I can love the Lord right now with all my strength right? I can sweat for the Lord, you know? And sometimes that, work, that means, you know, doing a good job at your career, you know, um, unto the Lord, right? Um, but uh, sometimes it means just, you know, jumping up and down for the Lord in, in celebration or, or whatever. Um, use, use this body that the Lord gave you in some way to give him praise, whether you understand the value of it or not. So, um, that's the last thing. So I'm going to uh, pray for us. Um, yeah, let's pray. Dear God, we are grateful to you for uh, this for this journey, God, that you're inviting us to, to walk with you. Um, thank you for your patience with us. <laughs> and thank you for the revelation of, of who you are. Um, how amazing is it that we get to to see you at all. Um, 
you're so generous with your glory. You're generous with your presence. You're generous with, with knowledge of your character. God, we thank you that we, uh, that we can know you. Um, God, we pray that our worship would be a, an honest reaction and response to seeing you for who you really are. God, we ask right now that um, you would look into our hearts, God, and you would see any, anything that we're doing wrong, and we invite you by your Holy Spirit, bring it to the surface. God, as you give us the humility for that, God, bring those things to the surface and work through them with us, God, and help us to, um, help us to do things in a way that's holy and pleasing to you. We invite you, God, captivate us, Lord. Turn our eyes away from worthless things, God, and restart us, revive us in, in the way that you would have us walk. We love you. We honor you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Will, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.